0: Good morning, and welcome to inspirational worship at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church, where all are welcome. As always, we welcome you to worship with us in person at 815, 930, or 11 a.m. at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. In fact, it's not too late for you to join us today. We are located at the corner of Northwest Highway and Inwood Road at 9200 Inwood Road, Dallas, Texas. So won't you come and join us today? You would honor us with your presence, but for now, Let's enjoy this message together with Senior Pastor, Dr. Stan Copeland.
1: All right, so today we've got a practical message to share. And that message is planning your funeral. Now, how many of you have planned your own funeral? Well, a few of you, right? Well, preachers love it when you've planned your funeral because we know we're doing it just like you want it, right? And yet... Um, Preachers sometimes are the last ones to plan their own funerals, you know. And I've been working on mine. It's not quite done, but I'll share a little bit. Jimmy, you take notes. Jimmy's going to be in charge of the music because I'm counting on him being around. And the song that y'all just sang is on my list. Yeah, because that song, Ain't Got Time to Die, Um, back years ago when I was dealing with leukemia, That song was sung by our choir, and it transformed my prayer life. Seriously. And so it's always been one of those special songs to me uh, that I put on my list for at my funeral, Jimmy. Ain't Got Time to Die, and I want this group to sing it. Now, I was getting ready for this sermon. I was visiting the hospitals this past week. And I got on an elevator that was going to um, the parking garage and I was way up on the third to fourth floor. I don't remember, but the elevator was crowded and there was a woman behind me in the back and she said, I want to give each of y'all a million dollars. Woo, it was my lucky day. And then she handed each of us a bill that had a, a portrait of Benjamin Franklin on it and a million dollar denomination there in print. Now I knew with Benjamin Franklin making a a double appearance that probably wasn't real. But anyway, I took it anyway and, and looked on the back and on the back it had these words. Here's the million dollar question. Will you go to heaven when you die? I thought, well, this is really timely because if there's a question you need to answer when you're preparing for your funeral is if you'll go to heaven, right? I continued to read. Here's a quick test. Have you ever lied, stolen, or used the Lord's name in vain? I I was guilty of some of that, but I'm not going to tell you what. If you've done these things, God sees you as a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterer at heart, and the Bible warns that one day God will punish you in a terrible place called hell. By this time, you're either scared to death or a bit mad. And to top it all off, the million dollar bill was a fake. Now, in fairness, it did go on and it did have a little bit of good news. But couldn't you hear the good news after you've been slapped with that? You know, this morning I want to read a text that was a slap in the face of Jesus. We preachers need to hear this from time to time. You know, most large church pastors especially, but not just large church pastors, nearly any pastor, when you talk a little bit about worship attendance, they start singing the blues about how worship attendance isn't what it used to be, and it's not anywhere. And and yet that was the case with Jesus too. Now before we read the text this morning from John's Gospel, the sixth chapter, I want to share this context. Jesus was getting toward the end of his ministry. He had been in his home area, the Galilee area, and and there in in Galilee, he was very, very popular. In fact, crowds would come, and and crowds would come, and, and, and Jesus didn't even know what to do with the crowds. They were so large. And and yet, when he uh, went through Samaria and the closer that he got to Jerusalem, it was noticeable, as John's gospel recorded, that the crowds were starting to wane. In fact, the crowds were shrinking at such a pace that it became the topic that's addressed in this sixth chapter of John, beginning with the 60th verse. Jesus said, Well, where are they going? And and it was said, well, you know, it's so hard for them to hear these words. And quite frankly, Jesus was saying things like, uh, "I am the true bread come down from heaven," and it wasn't sitting too well with the religious authorities. And so nobody really wanted to be too closely associated with Jesus when he was making the religious authorities mad, who were telling on him to the Roman authorities. And so. Jesus himself saw the crowds diminishing and with that context let's turn to the sixth chapter of John's Gospel and let's stand for the reading of God's Word. When many of the disciples heard it they said this teaching is difficult who can accept it? But Jesus being aware that his disciples were complaining about it he said to them Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones who did not believe and who was the one who would betray him. And he said, for this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless he is granted by the Father. And because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, for he, though one of the twelve, was going to betray him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, today we're going to talk in terms of what it means to plan your own funeral. Because I could tell by the lack of show of hands, you need a little coaching. And I want to say this morning that, uh, you know, in a world that seems to be oftentimes going in circles and following this and following that, that, that when you start thinking about your own funeral you start thinking about the things that really matter and the things that really do bring life and maybe you even start raising that issue that that Peter raised Lord you have the words that give eternal life where are we to go but to you there's nowhere else to go you have the words that give eternal life Now, as I mentioned, I've not completely planned my funeral, so I'm preaching to myself as well, but I I do want to say it's important when you're planning your funeral to realize that the pastor's going to take care of a lot of it, okay? But you do need to help the pastor out by picking a couple of good hymns. Can you do that? Well, thank you. Now some of you will maybe want to pick something that is quite foundational because a hymn not only speaks of your own faith but it also speaks of the faith of the community in which you've, uh, been, uh, in which you've assembled or been part of. You may want to fall back on a, an old faithful like Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, A Bulwark Never Failing. Or, or maybe one like Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Or you can pick, like so many people do, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Now there's a great... um, body of American musical literature called spirituals, right? Uh, African Americans developed in a period of slavery these spirituals. And out of that experience, spirituals have come to be, and they happen to be some of my favorites. I mean, who doesn't like to sing at Christmas time, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And what about even maybe at church camp, you sang, We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. You know the song. What's your hymn? Now, I've shared with you that I love this hymn, or this uh, spiritual that was just sung, about Ain't Got Time to Die, but there is one that I even have put on paper to be sung at my funeral before I ain't got time to die. And that is the spiritual, give me Jesus. You know, one of the verses in give me Jesus is, I heard my mother say, oh, I heard my mother say, oh, I heard my mother say, give me Jesus. Man, I love it when the choir's down here. And I need that support. And then that one that really does bring it home. Oh, when I come to die. Oh, when I come to die. Oh, when I come to die. Give me Jesus. Wow, and we didn't even rehearse. (laughs) Y'all are pros. You know, in essence, I think that's what Peter was saying. He was saying, Lord, where can we go? We know that this is getting dangerous. We know you're going toward Jerusalem. We know you've stirred the pot. We know people are fleeing because they're actually afraid for their lives. But where are we to go? In in essence, we've received you, Lord. Give me Jesus. Now, most of us also need to know we're going to need, in our funeral service, a foundation of Scripture, right? And so you need to pick out a couple of Scriptures, or we're going to have to pick them out for you. That's just all there is to it. Because we have to stand on the solid foundation of Scripture. I mean, hymns get us close theologically, but Scripture is so very important. You know, you may pick your favorite verse, or maybe some of you have a life verse. You know, you can always go to an all-time favorite like, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And you need to tell us what scripture translation you want. I think that was pretty close to King James. And perhaps like most people, you'll want a section of the Psalms read, maybe the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still. He restores my soul. Now now for me, Jimmy, make note, I like Psalm 35: "Weeping may stay for the day or the night, but joy comes in the morning. I'll have to get that translation right. And I also like Psalm 121. First few verses, I cast my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And I'd I'd of course have to include uh, Philippians 4, 6 because uh, that was uh, kind of a family favorite for us. Uh, Mother had it framed and it was in our kitchen while we were growing up and in every house that they've had. And, and it was living Bible translation so that's the way we learned it and that's the way I want it said at my service Jimmy don't worry about anything pray about everything tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers and of course what Peter had to say was, was good too Lord to whom would we go You have the words that give eternal life. You know, this this past week, actually yesterday, my parents moved into their new home. It's been quite a challenging year. And I shared with you early on that a Sunday, a year ago, and two Sundays, so a year plus two Sundays, we drove to the smoldering ruins of my parents' home And out of the ashes there floated a piece, a charred piece of Lover's Lane newsletter. And and it was in the shape kind of of a heart. This is getting, you can't make this stuff up. And it had a photograph of a Bible that was open to Psalm 23. But the centering text was first John 4:16 that has become a life verse for me handed to me from God, and it is the verse that says, God is love. And the reason that verse is so important to me is because if you start looking, not for um, a God who is going to punish you in um, an eternal hell, But a God who loved you before you were even born, then it changes your perspective on things. And when you start to look at the love of God that you come up to, you will start seeing that God is putting love in your life more than you could ever even imagine, and more blessings of love than you could ever count. It's it's what we look for. And you know, and there I was standing in the midst of this. This time of of, of just sheer destruction and not knowing what to do. and, And God floated a scripture verse to my feet. In the shape of a heart. God is love. So what are your favorite texts that center you? That have spoken to you at important times in your life? What are those texts? Write them down. Now, I want to also say that we're going to need to say something about you at your funeral. So be nice. No, not really. Well, that's not a bad thing. But it's more than about what you've done with your life, which is important. What's important is that we can say something about your relationship with God in Christ. That's what brings you into this community. You know, it's always good to be able to say that this person knew God in Christ. Knew what it mean to give me Jesus. Knew what, Paul, what Peter was saying when Peter said, Lord, where are we to go? You have the words of eternal life. We're here. It's great when we can say that That this person lived such a life that we know that they knew. A man from Nazareth. Who was born as a babe in Bethlehem. Who grew up into manhood and who walked the shores of the Galilee Lake. And who said to those, follow me. And still speaks in a spiritual way to us today, follow me. Who reached out and he healed um, uh, those who who were sick and he raised those who were dead because he was all about bringing life and healing and still does. He spoke the language pronouncing forgiveness to the, the troubled heart and he still does. And then there was his cross. And maybe, maybe we might throw in an old spiritual like, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Because it's important that we know that we were. And it's important that we know what that means. It means that the cross takes seriously the depth of our own failures and shortcomings and sin. It does. And it's important for us to know that the cross is exactly um, what is meant by the poverty of our own souls and the times when we lack that grace and mercy uh, to show to others. For the cross really does reflect the fact that we are in need of a Savior. But when we look upon the cross, we're reminded that that cross speaks a message about Jesus who came and died so that we could have life and have life abundantly and have life eternally so we know that the cross that we have and I love this one in this room because you can see your reflection in it and I think that's important you also can see a crown of thorns that reminds us that this cross is not just pretty but it reminds us of a horrific death of our Savior And you can see that this cross is empty because the man who hung on that cross for you and for me rose from the grave. This is an Easter cross. And Easter is so very important for us to talk about at a funeral. Because we want to celebrate our faith. Your faith. By saying that the God who came in Jesus who hung on a cross, didn't stay there, but he rose from the grave and promised us just like Peter understood, promised us eternal life. I read a story this week that a pastor had had shared. And and the story was about a 90-year-old woman Who was coming to the end of her life. She was coming to that realization. Oh when I come to die. Oh when I come to die. Oh when I come to die. Give me Jesus. Now pastor said, three weeks ago, I was sitting with Martha, a 90-year-old faithful church member, and she was in a hospital bed. He said that her family members were there, and, and the doctor had just left the room, and the doctor had shared with her that she had an out-of-control case of leukemia that she would not survive, and that she had maybe two or maybe three weeks to live. And after this sobering medical news, the preacher comes into the room and he was informed by a sobbing daughter what the doctor had shared with Martha. And he said this splendid woman who had lived her life in such a full way and yet in her 90s was still as spunky as she ever was, was there in a hospital bed dealing with the fact that she in a few weeks would be gone. And her family would be at her funeral. So, the preacher, in doing his duty, he got close to Martha's bed. And, and the family dismissed themselves so that the preacher and Martha could have some time alone. And the preacher reports that he said to Martha, Is there anything you'd like to talk about? Anything about your service that you want us to know? You know, anything that. That's just on your heart that you need to get off your chest? And surprised, she answered, Talk? I don't want to talk. I want Holy Communion. And that pastor said what he realized in keeping with the words of Peter I don't need to talk give me Jesus just just give me Jesus and it'll be Jesus the one who I have followed all of my days who will give me not just the words that lead to eternal life but the real thing. Give me Jesus. That'll be enough. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today for inspirational worship at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. We invite you to tune in each week at 9.30 on this great station. As always, we welcome you to worship with us in person each Sunday morning at 8.15, 9.30, or 11 a.m we also invite you to our contemporary worship service that begins at 11 a.m every sunday morning at lovers lane united methodist church again we're located at the corner of northwest highway and inwood road dallas texas or you can call us at 214-691-4721 for more information about our church and service times go to www.llumc.org. That web address again is www.llumc.org. We'll be looking for you in person at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church next week. And remember, all are welcome here at Lovers Lane.